0: everyone. Welcome again to another podcast with Jamie and Patrick. Uh, and it's a Devo. Not necessarily a podcast, right, Pat? Devo, podcast, whatever. You know, whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, whatever it is. I have a joke. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. This is a first, I think. I don't think you've ever told a joke on this uh, this no. venue, this format.
1: No, I haven't. But I have one, and it's super funny, and I think you need to hear it. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Have you heard about the new Corduroy pillowcases?
0: No, I have not heard about the new Corduroy pillowcases. Oh, they're making headlines everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's yeah. uh That's that's a decent joke. Yep. <laughs> so, well So, Patrick, you told me that uh, we're going to spend some time in the upcoming devos on some parables. Yeah, that's right.
1: On Wednesdays, starting today, we are going to go through uh, parables out, out of the Gospel of Matthew for the next seven weeks on Wednesdays. So we're very excited about that. If you don't know what the parables are, be ready to learn. And if uh, you are familiar with them, I hope that you enjoy our, our thoughts off the cuff. We don't prep anything. There's no plan. There's no script. Uh, and if you ever have feedback, just feel free to email us. The email address is in the podcast description. It'd be weird if we did have a script
0: It'd say, you know, now Patrick tells corduroy <laughs> joke. Right. Yeah. No, this is... Un- Jamie, scripted laughter. Maybe we could put in a laugh track or something. <laughs> uh,
1: no, we're going to keep this unscripted. Uh, Good. And like Jamie said once, we kind of pull the Bible passage out moments before we hit record. So we don't yeah. even... A lot of times, the, the, the read that we do here on the podcast is the first read of the day for me. So
0: it's all really just... Are, are honest reactions. And there's a reason for that. And that's because that's how most people read scripture. Hmm. Like if, if you're wanting to read the Bible, you're not doing like an in-depth Bible study on it first. That's usually not your go-to is, you know, read a bunch of uh, commentaries, uh, do a bunch of in-depth study on it. Um, usually you just read it. And then you're like, wait a minute, what did I just read? So you go back again, read it again. Uh, And then maybe you might look something up if you have a question or or something comes up. And typically when people look things up, the first place they go is just a nice little uh, Google search uh, to see what they can find out. So uh, we want to do this in the same way that most people would read the scripture, just to kind of show like this is how this is how we do it. This is how we read the Bible together. And what's really cool uh, about scripture, and this is something that I think is very worth uh, mentioning here. Is that when you approach Scripture, when you approach the Bible, um, the ultimate interpretation of the Bible? We we like to think that we can use our brains, and we can, which we can, and we can use our study, and we can use church history, and we can use all these tools we have to understand Scripture. But the really the coolest thing about it is that the Holy Spirit—that's God living in us—the Holy Spirit can interpret the Scripture for us and help us to understand what it means. And in fact, that's the best interpretation that there is out there is when the spirit speaks to us through God's word. And that's, what's different about studying any other book. Uh, That's, what's different um, than us just studying some, you know, great literature or some ancient texts. We get to actually study God's word and God's spirit interprets uh, the word. And we get to understand what God is saying to us now. Yeah, it's a whole another way of studying that is fantastic. So without further ado, Patrick, where are we at today? Uh, we are at Matthew
1: chapter 13, the parable of the sower. And we're going to read verses one through 11. So go ahead and uh, take a pause and listen and follow along. If you have a Bible in front of you, it says this, That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Jesus is like out there and uh, walks out of his house or of the house he was at. And like people just started showing up like verses one and two. There's so many people that Jesus had to like go and, and sit in a boat that's like, you know, there's a lot of people if your only place to sit is out in a boat.
0: Yeah, that, that's pretty bad. Uh, you know, we're, we're in a situation now where we're in our houses and there's not usually a lot of room because, you know, everyone's at home. And when you need some like space to yourself uh, or you need to like kind of get away, you might have a little spot. You'd go get away. But I've never thought, you know what? I need to go get in the boat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I need to go escape on the boat. Um, Hey, the beginning of this, it's kind of interesting too. It says, the first thing it says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house. I I think about that and I'm like, well, what does it mean that same day? So I'm going back and and the sections before it in, in chapter 12 has Jesus' mother and brothers. So that's one section, Jesus in his town and his mother and brothers are there. And then it talks about where some Pharisees came to him and were asking about a sign uh, and then it, and then Jesus did some other teaching. So it's always interesting when you look at scripture and it says like that same day or and then next, here's what happened. So what, what I think is good for us to pay attention to in this is, is to know that this section is connected to the previous section. And it's also good to know that Jesus, has, this isn't like the beginning of his day. This is like he's, he's continuing his day. There's some stuff going on still. Yeah. He's already taught some, he's already spent some time, you know, th- this last section, he was with his mother and brothers and he kind of disses his mom and his brothers. His mother and brothers were like, maybe some people think they were trying to like, like pull him away from the ministry. Cause they thought maybe he was a little like nutty or, and, uh, Jesus says like, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And he says, here are my mother and brothers. And he points to the disciples cause it's the people who are following him. But uh, so Jesus has already had some pretty like intense moments. And then this teaching moment happens. Yeah. You know, the the part that I like about this first two verses as well
1: is it says specifically that Jesus got into a boat and sat in it and all the people stood on the shore. So Jesus is going to go out and preach while sitting and the congregation is standing. I think we should maybe switch church Back to that store, sort of style,
0: uh, it would help go. with people not falling asleep during the sermon. That's right. <laughs> if you're standing up, you're not going to fall asleep. And if you do, you know, <laughs> like you're going to wake gonna up. Know.
1: <laughs> you're going to wake up. You know up. what
0: else? You know what else I noticed in this is that Jesus is not a stand up paddleboarder. Oh, yeah. he sits yeah. down in the boat. He's not standing with a paddle, paddling around out there. He's like firmly planted. Yeah, um, that that is interesting. I've never seen that before, Pat. I've read this this uh, a few times. I've never paid attention to the fact that the crowds are standing and Jesus is sitting. Yeah, really interesting. I I I kind of think that there is probably people standing even in the water, maybe equal ankle, knee deep, even. And I've heard a lot of commentators and people say, "Oh, well, it's you know Jesus was out in the boat because if you're out in a boat on a on a calm lake." Uh, and you're speaking to people and teaching. Um, there's a, a natural kind of like amplified sound thing that happens mm. uh, where the the sound will kind of go off the water and and will be able to be heard by more people. Now in the ocean, that's absolutely not true., uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you get one like small wave even and it's like, yeah, that doesn't work. But there are definitely are places where you know, kind of acoustically it just sounds better. Pat, I know you have a history of doing sound for churches. I know Mm -hmm. at your old church, you were like a sound guy. Give us an idea how much effort goes into just a sermon, the words of a sermon being heard. Oh, I I mean, from a very uh, tangible perspective,
1: you got to have, you know, all your cables in the right spot, batteries in the wireless microphone, the cord has to be plugged in right, and all the the cords in the soundboard. So there's a, a lot that goes in just there. But then also, uh, you have to do a lot of adjusting to the EQ, compressor, a lot of different settings on the soundboard to really get a sound that sounds really natural and normal and
0: comfortable to listen to. And so just, just give us a ballpark. Like if you were going to have to make sound work for a... Uh, Let's say a, a church of about two hundred and fifty people sitting down listening to a preacher. How much money are you putting into something like that just to get it to sound really good? To get it to sound really good
1: and have it be a, a permanent uh installation of all of all of the gear, you're looking at thirty to fifty thousand dollars. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah, right? and that's just that's just pure equipment. That's not hiring someone to install it all for you or your own time installing it all. But, uh, you know, it, it pays off, you know, it, the equipment like that will last you years upon years upon years. Uh, and the return is people will hear the word of God and, uh, hear it well and be comfortable. And, you know, it comes with all this equipment comes with features. So people that are hard of hearing can hear well, uh, it, it really, the reward, of getting God's word out in an effective and quality way um is well worth whatever the price tag might be and Jesus he just had a boat yeah you know he does his technology <laughs> yeah and that's that's still cool you know I'd I'd love to experience that you know none of the bells and whistles the lights big music sound anything just you know sound on the
0: lake would be a cool experience So verse three of this, he's in the boat, the people are standing on the shore and it says he told them many things in parables saying, so, uh, that's kind of cool. It's not just saying that he told them one thing. He told them many things in parables and then he, he shares this parable. Uh, that's kind of cool too, that Jesus didn't just give them like one cool story and walk off. He wanted to teach them multiple things. Right. And we'll get into some of the other
1: ones in later weeks. But, you know, it says so he starts off the parable parable by saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, it's important to notice uh, in back then the way farmers would plant a crop is they would go and scatter the seeds and then turn the soil. And now today it's a little bit different with modern tractors and stuff. A lot of times farmers will go and turn the soil and then throw the seeds in. So it's a little
0: bit different different style. Yeah. And today, farmers, my, my uh, mom lives in kind of a rural area where there are a lot of farms. And uh, it seems like if you're a farmer, the first thing you need is like a good lawyer. Because there's so much, <laughs> like, so much going on with farmers and so many different contracts they have and, and so many different like government assistance programs and all sorts of things. It's like you need to be good at paperwork. If you're going to be a farmer, it's not as simple as maybe it, it was back then. And so looking at this now or looking at it from our perspective back then, I think it's it's probably helpful for us to think about if you were going to grow just a little garden in your backyard or maybe in a community garden, right? You, you have some simple, basic ideas and it all starts out with a seed. And I don't know about you, Pat, when I was a little kid and I think it was in, kindergarten that I remember it for the first time, we were given little seeds and we had to grow them. Hmm. And the first step was to take this seed and I think we put it like in a paper towel, oh, a wet paper towel and put it in a little Ziploc bag and put it kind of out in the sun and it, it would sprout like a little shoot. And this was just a part of, you know, everything that every little kid did. And everyone knew it was like kind of a basic thing. This is how life works. You, you plant mm-hmm. something, you have the right environment for it, and it's going to grow. Now, our, our poor farmer in this parable
1: uh, experienced firsthand, you know, scattering seed on different types of soil and locations. So the first place he was scattering his seed it says, uh, verse four, as he was scattering seeds, some fell along the path and the birds came up and ate it. So I think, like a sidewalk, you know, you're you're not gonna go out and like plant plant a flower on a sidewalk, like a ear of corn or not an ear of corn, a corn stalk on the sidewalk. Yeah, exactly. Like that just doesn't work, right? Of course, the birds would eat it. Yeah, exactly. So then, you know, he scattered some on on some a pile of rocks, uh, and it says that there was not much soil, and it sprang up quickly. Because the soil was shallow. Uh, Have you ever walked on rocks? Yes. (laughs) It's weirdly painful. I always thought walking on rocks would be enjoyable. It's not. No. (laughs) No. So obviously, you know, a a flower wouldn't grow in some rocks. Uh, It says that when the sun came up, the the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Verse 7, other seed fell among the thorns. Which grew up and choked the plants. So that's like some some weeds there. I don't know if you've ever had to weed someone's garden. It's tedious oh, work. Yeah. I never really know what's a weed and what's not. And then <laughs> verse eight, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. And then it says, whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, Jesus, a parable is not a story of something that actually happened. It's Jesus using a story as an example to try to teach us something. So what is Jesus trying to tell us about all of the
0: seeds and the soil and the farmer in this passage? Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's like, what is he really trying to say? Is he trying to say, hey, listen, you need to go out there and be a farmer and you need to get a BB gun to keep the birds away and stay away from the rocks. Like, you know, it, it, it seems like one of those things that uh, that it's hard to understand. Now, later on in this passage, Jesus explains exactly what it means. Isn't that weird? This is like one of the few passages, maybe one of the few parables where Jesus is like, OK, here's exactly what it means. And he, he tells them what it means. But when he tells them what it means, it's kind of like, you know, most of the parables we get, we hear, and we don't, we don't have that exact thing. And I think we can come up with what it means based on, you know, listening to it and trying to understand. So I'll say this. If you're listening to this right now, here's a great thing to do. Read through this parable. Maybe in your head come up with what do you think it means. And then when you figure it out or when you have an idea, you can fast forward and go to verse 18 and see how it matches up with how Jesus describes what it means. So, you know, hit pause on your, hit pause on the re on the, uh, on the Devo here and you can, you can look at it, take a couple minutes, see what, uh, what you think it means. And then Pat and I'll kind of explain the way that Jesus, uh, explains this passage. All right, so I'm glad that you guys have figured out what this parable means and you know what it means. Uh, We're going to look at what Jesus says it means starting at verse 18 of Matthew 13. Um, Let me read it. Uh, So Jesus says this, this is to his disciples. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Verse 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So, Pat, it sounds like this first seed on the path is when someone hears the good message about God, that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, that Jesus wants to be with them forever. When they hear about that and they don't understand it, uh, that's what—that's like uh, the seed that falls on the path. Hmm. And it says the evil one, the enemy, uh, comes and, and snatches that. Yeah. You know, I, I think about people that have come to
1: Christ um, at like forced home, you know, or at a, a, w- a, a winter example. camp or a summer camp, you know, sometimes in the distractions of life uh, in the areas that we live, there's people that probably hear that Christ loves them. Here's the message about the kingdom Um, and they don't understand it maybe because the context isn't right or, you know, I, and I do believe that Christ's hand is in everyone coming to Christ. And so maybe Christ isn't ready for them to fully experience it. But I think that timing, um, and being at a place where, you know, you can really be immersed in learning the message about the kingdom over a couple of days, uh, in, in a row
0: is really, um, amazing and effective. And I I think, you know, a lot of people hear, and this is kind of weird, you know, every time the gospel is preached, and I've been to like big, like Billy Graham gospel crusade things, uh, where there's thousands of people and the gospels preached, and everyone hears it, but not everyone responds, not Mm. everyone really grabs a hold of it. And I I see it a lot like that. So it's kind of like when you're sharing the gospel, uh, and maybe you have a group of five friends, and you want them to know. The good news of Jesus, and you ended up telling all of them at some point. um, That doesn't instantly mean that all of them are going to grab onto it and uh, and understand it and follow Jesus. It's just not the way it works. Like, hopefully, that would happen. That would be fantastic. That's what you'd hope for and what you would pray for, uh, and that's what God would want too. However, it doesn't always work out that way. Right. And so, you know, I think what's important too in this is that it does say there is a wicked one. in in the original language, evil one, it's kind of like the evil or the wicked one. It doesn't necessarily have, uh, it's not a proper name. Um, But this particular uh, person or wicked one will snatch away what what was sown in their heart. So something is like starting to happen in someone's heart and it'll just be moved away. And so that's like what what you said, Pat, is that sometimes it, it really is helpful to preach the gospel and to keep doing it and to Mm -hmm. give people a chance to respond to Jesus multiple times, uh, because it may be that first time it didn't quite um, take. Right. Uh, And it's good to kind of have another chance to continue to to see it. Uh, What's the second one? Uh, The seed
1: falling on the rocky ground, verse 20 uh, it refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only... Last, they last only a short time when
0: trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. There you go, man. And this is so many people, yeah. This is a big one. Uh, and a good example, you know, I love camp because at camp we hear the gospel. Usually, when you go to camp, you hear the gospel two or three times. And it, there's been a lot of opportunities where where students, uh, where people have gone to camp and they hear about Jesus and they're like, yes, like Jesus, God is love. They get it. They they understand it. They want to follow it and they receive it with joy, right at right. once. They're like, that's good. I want that. I'm going after it. Mm-hmm. However, when you decide to follow Jesus, there is this whole other layer of this new life that you have and that new life isn't going to be the same as your old life. And that's unnerving to a lot of people, right? So trouble and persecution can, can happen because of the word. Now, what might that mean? Well, I mean, it could be as simple as you decide you want to go to church and your parents maybe don't go to church. Uh, or maybe you have a sibling or a friend who makes fun of you for going to church. And, and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, well, maybe church isn't that important. That's like a simple example. There's other examples of people who they start to get into God's word and they realize like, oh, God actually wants me to live a life that is worthy of, of, of Christ. Uh, so maybe I need, there's some things in my life I need to not do anymore. You know, maybe that's like partying or maybe it's um, being in relationships that aren't healthy or maybe it's gossip or maybe it's... And so you decide not to get into that stuff. Uh, And what that can happen when that happens, and I've seen it happen quite a bit, uh, the joy you originally had of following Jesus becomes uh, more of a burden and you feel like you have to just kind of fall away. Now, back in the day, what was happening in, in, in the century following is Christians were like legitimately persecuted and martyred and killed. And so, to follow Jesus meant that your church, the church people, a lot of the Jewish leaders, uh, they weren't for you anymore. They were against you, and in fact, they might even come after you. Um, the 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 nation itself, the powers that were in control, the Romans, um, they weren't. Uh, they weren't for you. They weren't there to help you either. And so, if you followed Jesus, if you said, you know, Christ is king there was some significant persecution that could come your way. That was like even physical, tangible persecution. And
1: I think the example that you gave of people being worried, like, Oh, now I have to live my life differently. I have to start doing this, whatever it might be a little bit differently. Jesus kind of captures that feeling in verse 22, talking about the seed that falls among the thorns and it says, it refers to someone who hears the word, but then worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Uh, People being worried about, you know, like, oh, now I I have to do this thing called tithing. You know, I have to give give away my money. You know, that that makes not following along with those practices or whatever it might
0: be ultimately make everything that Jesus has to say unfruitful. And you know, Pat, I don't think I know a single person... Well, I might know a couple of people who are close to it, but there are very few people I know who have figured out how to not be worried about life and who have been able to forget about the deceitfulness of wealth. Now, I, I think we live, you know, where we live in the place and the time we're at, we live in uh, the wealthiest state in the wealthiest country in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's pretty wealthy. Yeah, and so um, a lot of the people who are around us, I think, have have bought in a hundred percent fully into the fact that wealth will bring you what you want, and can give you what you need. Yeah. Now you would think if that's true, then people wouldn't be worried because they'd have wealth, and that's not true. People are just as worried, uh, at least that I've seen here, as they are in a lot of other parts of the world. You know, when we. Patrick have gone to like El Salvador, for example, or into Mexico and worked with people who don't have as much wealth as, uh, we do. When we talk to them, the one thing that students have told me and other people is that they seem so content, they don't seem to have the same amount of worry that I have in my own life, which is just another great example of their worries of life. And there's a deceitfulness of wealth that not only like chokes out our perspective on, on, you know, what true joy is and true happiness, it actually chokes out God's word. (laughs) Isn't that weird? It chokes out the word and it makes our witness and our ministry unfruitful. But then, you know, The seed that's falling on good soil, verse 23, it refers to someone
1: who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop
0: yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Can you think think about how awesome that would be if you instantly could say, oh yeah, I know a hundred people who I shared the gospel with and they like accepted it and they're like going, you know, like gangbusters... Uh, sharing the gospel with other people, like how cool is that? Yeah, right. Truly, really you, know, cool. you think about the that God going out there and and planting this this seed in people's hearts, um, knowing that they can follow Him, knowing that they can trust Him, knowing that uh, He is the one who provides salvation and and even new life for all of us. Right. How incredible is that? Um, and to know that maybe thirty people or sixty people or a hundred people. Uh, would come to know Christ through ministry um, that we're a part of uh, is such a blessing and an honor. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. This is
1: the parable of the, of the sower. Hope you enjoyed the interactive part in the middle. Let us know what you thought, you know, if you were spot on with what you thought this parable meant or, you know, just share your thoughts with us. We'd love to hear what you thought
0: this parable meant before you, uh, read ahead or before you knew so feel free to reach out and if you're listening to this and you're like oh man this parable is about sharing my faith uh here's just a weird little weird little thought today you know maybe say a prayer ask god who who should i be sharing my faith with today uh and it's not that hard to share your faith you just need to tell the story of god in your life you know maybe your story is as simple as i I went to camp and they were talking about Jesus and I thought I want to follow Jesus. So I've been trying and I, you know, maybe it's been hard for you. Maybe it hasn't been easy, but, um, that's your story, you know, share your story with someone, uh, so that they can hear about God's goodness. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Bye.